Hello and welcome back to the Sneem Medic. So in this episode we'll be going through another 10 cases of psychiatry cases from past medicine. Okay so to begin we have case 1 where a patient with a long-standing alcohol misuse history presents to the ED because her friend was worried that she was confused. She's now unable to recall what she's done for the past few days and the paramedics confirm that her account of how she's ended up in the ED is untrue. It's very challenging to take a history from her and she cannot recall any of her past medical history. So the question is, what vitamin deficiency does this patient have? And your answer here would be thiamine. So thiamine aids brain cells to produce energy. However, untreated thiamine deficiency causes damage and hemorrhage to the mammillary bodies of the hypothalamus and the medial thalamus. This can lead to Wernicke's encephalopathy, which presents with nystagmus, ophthalmoplegia and ataxia. However, untreated, it can lead on to Korsakoff syndrome, which presents with retrograde and anterograde amnesia and confabulation. So some causes of thiamine deficiency are alcoholism, poor diet, malabsorption of thiamine, anorexia nervosa, renal dialysis and cancers. And a quick overview, Wernicke's encephalopathy is usually acute and Korsakoff syndrome is usually chronic and irreversible. So next for case two, we have a 47-year-old male who is an alcoholic and brought into the ED by his brother for confusion, ataxia, retrograde amnesia and confabulation. The question is, what would your diagnosis be? And your answer here is Korsakoff syndrome as a complication of Wernicke's encephalopathy based on the confusion, retrograde amnesia and confabulation. Okay, so next for case three, we have a 26-year-old male with schizophrenia who started clozapine three weeks ago and is in for his weekly bloods. The question is, what is the life-threatening side effect of clozapine? And your answer here would be agranulocytosis. This is an acute condition of severe neutropenia seen in 1% of cases. Therefore, a patient on clozapine for the treatment of refractory schizophrenia would need therapeutic drug monitoring to monitor their full blood count weekly for the first 18 weeks, fortnightly until they've been on it for one year, and then every four weeks thereafter. Okay, so next for case four, we have a 60-year-old male who's in for an upper GI endoscopy to investigate dysphagia. He's been sedated with midazolam, uh, benzodiazepine, which enhances activity at the GABA receptor. And the question is, which ion flows through the GABA receptor? The answer here would be chloride, which reduces the membrane potential to cause sedative effects. And an overview, benzodiazepines increase the frequency of chloride channel opening and barbiturates increase the duration of chloride channel opening. Okay, so next for case five, we have a 78-year-old male who's been seen by the physiotherapist but becomes suddenly very agitated and aggressive. So the doctor arrives and administers lorazepam and the question is what is the side effect of lorazepam? Your answer here would be respiratory depression, especially if they're prescribed with opioids. Also to note, due to the high tolerance and dependence of benzodiazepines, we should only prescribe them for two to four weeks and taper the dose before stopping. 
Okay, so next for case six, we have a seven-year-old child with ADHD who his mother brings in to the GP for issues with eating and she's worried about his growth. He was diagnosed two years ago and is managed on methylphenidate. The question is, what is the mechanism of action of the drug? And the answer here is that it is a CNS stimulant which inhibits the reuptake of dopamine and noradrenaline. It's usually prescribed as a last resort for children 5 and above on a 6-week trial basis. Some side effects are abdominal pain, nausea, dyspepsia and we should monitor their weight and height every 6 months whilst they're on the drug. Children usually eat a lot more when they're not on the drug, so some doctors may trial having some days off to help them eat more when they're not on the drug. And also, because it's potentially cardiotoxic, we should do a baseline ECG and refer to cardiology if there is any significant past medical history, family history or doubts. Okay, so next for case 7, we have a 20-year-old male who presents with confusion and hearing voices following the death of a close friend. He is severely distressed and believes he is an evil magician. The question is, what is your most likely diagnosis? And your answer here would be a brief psychotic disorder. This often returns to baseline functioning and people with a personality disorder are at a higher risk. Also, this is more likely to occur in people aged between their 20s and 40s. The symptoms should last more than a day, but less than a month. If they do last over a month, then a diagnosis of schizophrenia would be considered. And this is usually managed using typical antipsychotics. Therefore, look out for any movement disorders. Okay, so next for case eight, we have an 84-year-old male with community-acquired pneumonia and he's been diagnosed with Parkinson's five years ago. He's now very agitated on the ward and on the drug chart you see he's been prescribed haloperidol. Um, since taking this, his Parkinsonian syndrome has worsened. And the question is, what is the mechanism of haloperidol? Your answer here would be that it is a typical first-generation antipsychotic, which blocks dopamine receptors in the brain, and its maximum effect occurs when 72% of the receptors are blocked. And this is most likely worsening the extrapyramidal extra movement disorders for the patient. Okay, so next for case nine, we have a 30-year-old male who is feeling generally out of sorts for the last couple of weeks and his girlfriend agrees saying that he's not been himself. He has no past psychiatric history and the question is which would be the most likely symptom suggestive of depression? The answer in this case is early morning wakening but this could range from anything from loss of appetite, loss of weight, low concentration, feelings of guilt and less worthy, disturbed sleep, slowing of movement, a pessimistic ideology of the future, reduced libido, agitation, diurnal mood variation, deliberate self-harm and suicidal ideation with or without plans. So if they have the core symptoms which are the depressed mood, anhedonia and energia, plus two associated symptoms, um, then it's it would be classed as mild depressive episode. If they have three to four, then moderate and more than four, severe depressive episode. So there are different assessments, such as the hospital anxiety and depression scale, and the patient health questionnaire, PHQ-9, which is used more frequently to help with diagnosing the patient.
And the first line for management would be an SSRI and CBT. However, there are further options if the patient is not responding, which include TMS and ECT. Okay, so lastly for case 10, we have a 25-year-old female who presents to the ED with eye pain and an abnormal posture. On examination, you find that her neck is fixed backwards and laterally and her eyes are deviated upwards. She has no control over her gaze. She has a recent diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia and is being managed on olanzapine. The question is, what is the most likely cause of her symptoms? And your answer here would be an acute dystonic reaction. An important form of this is an oculogyric crisis, with the, which the patient here is experiencing. And some other symptoms to look out for here would be tongue protrusion and jaw spasm. And this is usually managed with IV procyclidine and withdrawal of the causative medication. Okay, so that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope this has been helpful and thank you for listening. Bye!